You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this special episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast. Dr. Christy Snyder and I are going to chat today about some key takeaways from 2022 podcasts. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Merck Animal Health, and we're pleased to announce that Merck will again be supporting this podcast in 2023. Dr. Schneider, DVM, DAVBP, equine, left private practice to join Merck Animal Health as an equine professional services veterinarian. She graduated from the Ohio State University's College of Veterinary Medicine in 2009, then completed an internship at Wisconsin Equine. She returned to Ohio State for a combined residency master's program, and in 2013, she earned her master's degree in veterinary science and became a diplomate in the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners specializing in equine practice. She then joined Bella Vista Equine, a private practice in the Columbus, Ohio area, where her primary interests and duties included managing the preventive care and wellness program. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Schneider. Hi, thanks for having me, Kim. Well, after Dr. Schneider joined Merck, she has been my partner in developing the topic list for the Disease Du Jour podcast, and that's with input from the entire professional services team. So it's it's been fun, and it's resulted, I think, in some entertaining and some very educational discussions. And we're going to talk about some of this year's podcasts, some of them that the Dr. Schneider particularly uh, thought were were, you know, educational and that you should not miss. But the first thing I want to ask her before we get into some of these key takeaways is why does Merck Animal Health feel so strongly about working on the Disease Your podcast and supporting equine veterinarians and the horse industry? Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, so Merck Animal Health in general, and certainly the equine team um, falls in line with this. Really, our number one priority is the veterinarian and their staff. And as a company and as a team, we strive to provide them with products and support that they need to do their job, to serve the horse and, and the horse owner in the best way possible uh, that they can. And by sponsoring the content available on the Disease to Shore podcast, we are enabling today's equine professionals access to latest information, best practices, and news affecting our industry in an easy to access way. And, you know, disease, the Disease Door podcast has been a great way, um, you know, to interact with with our community and is one of the many ways uh, that Merck Animal Health is is attempting to support our industry the best that we can. Um, there are a couple other uh, methods that I, I thought would be worth mentioning. Um, one of them we're going to talk about briefly because um, there was a podcast covering it, but the Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellbeing Study, there have been three of them. And, um, you know, that is something that Merck Animal Health feels strongly about investing in the future and, um, you know, the health of our profession and our professionals. Um and then in addition, um, Merck Animal Health has provided scholarships for five veterinary students annually since 2016. Uh, that's through AAEP. Uh, so we present those at AAEP every year. Um, we also have, since 2009, uh, participated in the Unwanted Horse Veterinary Relief Campaign. So uh, Merck Animal Health, through that program, has donated 46,000 doses of equine vaccines since the start of that program in 2009. So that's been wow. a really impactful um, program for our patients, um, our communities, 
you know, that we live and work in in every day. Um, and then we also feel pretty passionate about supporting the Foundation for the Horse. So that is the AAEP's um, charitable arm. And uh, through things like that story night um, and those scholarships, like we mentioned, um, you know, we're pretty passionate about being involved with that foundation. And then MentorVet is another um, program that Merck Animal Health has been um, instrumental in and one of the founding sponsors of that program to uh, provide mentorship and support um, and education as far as well-being goes for early career practitioners. And that's a growing program um, that's that's pretty exciting. So thanks, Kim, for, for the opportunity to kind of highlight the ways that we're hoping to to give back and and pay for it, all of those things to our our community. Well, and and I think that's wonderful. I mean, that's a lot of people don't know all the things that Merck do in the industry, and I just wanted to to highlight those a little bit. But now back to our program, as they say. So we're going to go through some key points from 2022 podcasts that you thought were particularly impactful, and let's start with one of the first ones from last year. It was episode 74. Are you quiet? Pneumonia and folds with Dr. Macarena Sons. Yeah, so this is one that I, you know, it was almost a year ago, um, but with full season coming back around, um, as it does every year, um, you know, REQI is often top of mind, depending on where you're practicing um, or what area of the country you live in, and maybe you're breeding horses yourself and have foals yourself. And and REQI is definitely a concern. You know, we want to set our foals up for success, of course, um, and, you know, preventing REQI <clears throat> in addition to treating it maybe even better than treating it, right? If we can prevent the disease. I thought Dr. Sans did a really great job of discussing uh, kind of the tools that are out there and available to do that and some of the kind of cutting edge um, latest information about our equi. So I would definitely recommend checking that out as we go into full season 2023. Uh, and as you said, it, it comes around that time every year. So the other thing is what we talked about earlier, the Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellbeing Study. This was episode 76, and it featured you and Dr. Joseph Hahn from Merck talking about what this study is and what it what it means to the vets. So talk to us a little about that podcast. Yeah, so Dr. Hahn, as you mentioned, um, he does a great job in this podcast of um, kind of um, highlighting the take-home points of these veterinary well-being studies that Merck Animal Health has has supported and been involved in, and really has some great take-home points as far as what are some things that you can do today to improve not only your own well-being but also the well-being of your team. And you know, sometimes well-being seems like this really big, um, you know, nebulous, uh, hard to wrap your your arms around topic, and it can feel um, a little daunting of where you even start. And I think that this well-being study and Dr. Han outlines really well, you know, has some really concrete actions that you can take um, to improve the well-being of our community. Uh, and then, you know, after we um, in that podcast, after we talked about the well-being study in particular, um, you know, I kind of brought in the, the <clears throat> current topics of in the equine industry of attrition um, and really equine veterinary well-being, which is certainly top of mind um, in all of all of the equine industry. Um, and so discuss some different programs that are that are going on or that were going on at that time and, and still are. So that was in February, um, but certainly I think still timely um, and lots of great information in that one. 
Yeah, I agree. That was a very important. Those studies have really shed some great light. They were some of the first that really started bringing to light what was actually going on in our industry. So I think if you haven't listened to episode 76, make sure you do that. And for our listeners, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to equimanagement.com and we have short articles for each one of these podcasts. You can look them up by episode number. You can look them up under the disease du jour uh, tab at the top of the page. And we will make sure and uh, for this episode, that we're talking with Dr. Schneider, that we will make sure and link back to these that we're highlighting today to make it really easy for you to find that way too. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record-keeping and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. Okay, and our next one was one I really just kind of blew my mind. This is the EIA pyroplasmosis. It was episode 85 with Dr. Angela Pelzel-McCluskey. Yeah, so Dr. Pelzel-McCluskey is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, She works for the USDA um, APHIS as an epidemiologist and um, is really involved and has been really involved with both EIA and pyroplasmosis. And I think, you know, these are diseases that we all learn about in school. Uh, Pyroplasmosis is a foreign animal disease, so it's not in the United States. And we certainly want to keep it that way. Um, We know that EIA is here um, and, you know, we all are well versed in the Coggins test, right? I mean, that's part of our everyday um, as equine practitioners and equine horse owners. Um, And, I certainly did not recognize, and I I bet a lot of my colleagues also don't recognize the huge problem that um, bush racing and illegal importing of horses um, presents and the risk that that presents to our uh, domestic horse population um, in bringing EIA and paraplasmosis. And, and, you know, EIA is spread by biting flies, right? <clears throat> and also um, iatrogenic transmission can occur for EIA and pyroplasmosis. It's a bloodborne, uh, both are bloodborne diseases. And so um, pyroplasmosis presents an extra kind of um, risk or, or scary um, variable in that it is spread by ticks. And we have the ticks in the United States that are capable of spreading pyroplasmosis. So what we absolutely want to keep from happening is having pyroplasmosis from uh, these illegally imported imported animals get into our tick population, and then we can't control it. Um, and then it becomes you know an endemic disease in the United States, which we absolutely do not want. Um, so I think Dr. Palzel McCluskey does a fantastic job in this episode, really going into, um, you know, the the measures that the USDA is um, is try, is using to try and, and keep these um, diseases at bay. And also she talks about just the widespread um, occurrence of this, you know, unsanctioned racing that I certainly did not know about. I'm sure many of my colleagues, you know, maybe that are listening have experienced maybe, you know, 
they know of those in their area. But I think I was certainly surprised at how widespread it is in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem and it's been growing more and more. And I think one of the things that veterinarians think, oh, well, you know, we we don't have that bush or unsanctioned racing around here. But unfortunately, we also know that horse owners like to adopt X race horses and these former quarter horse race horses a lot of times get out into the regular population and suddenly you end up with a hunter jumper barn that somebody's got EIA and then the whole barn is shut down. And everything is, I mean, it's its a bad deal. So making sure these horses are tested, no matter yep. if you knew they were at a bush track or not, a lot of times you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think testing for EIA, you know, via the Coggins test is much more common, right? Uh, so a lot of times in, in a lot of states, it's required for a sale. Um, but testing for paraplasmosis is not necessarily required and may not be right. top of mind. So I do think that um, more testing would be beneficial and a good idea. Yeah. And for for the veterinarians who haven't listened to, listened to that episode yet, Dr. Pelsel McCluskey said a lot of the high-end dressage, you know, type warm bloods are coming in from Europe through Mexico. So they are bringing in the pyroplasmosis and it's not documented and they don't have to go through regular European testing where we there are known cases of pyroplasmosis. So, I mean, this is a, this is a very educational. I'm glad you picked this one, Dr. Schneider, to talk about today. Um, the next one that you picked was equine neurologic exam. It was episode 86 with Dr. Emily Schaefer. Yeah, so Dr. Emily Schaefer um, does a great job in this episode, um, really taking a step-by-step uh, process of describing her equine neurologic exam. And, you know, in I think a lot of equine practitioners, if they're anything like me, um, you know, an equine neuro exam can feel daunting because it's very, it's subjective, right? I mean, you're not just taking a horse's temperature and reading the number on the thermometer, right? So you have to take this horse through a series of maneuvers, um, you know, look at different parts of the um, neurologic system, right? Which you can't look at with your eyes. You have to, you know, see, can they move this part of their body? Can they feel this part of their body? Um, and so it can feel like, you know, I'm going to miss something or, um, you know, I, I forget to do this part every time. And so she does a really good job of going through just nose to tail, literally, um, what she does and what she's looking for, what's abnormal, what's normal. Um, and I think really clarifies it and makes it really accessible. So um, certainly for early career practitioners, um, vet students, I think this is a fantastic episode to listen to. And also, you know, no matter where you are in your career, if you think you could use a brush up on your equine neuro exam as you're driving down the road, um, give this one a listen. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Uh, the next one was one of my favorites for the year, Donkey and Mule Care. It was episode 92 with Amy McLean, who's a PhD at the University of California, Davis. Yeah, so this one, I think that, um, again, if, if practitioners listening are, are anything like me, you know, the majority of my caseload were horses um, in practice, but certainly there were lots of donkeys in there too. There usually were, you know, onesie twosies um, that people had kind of as buddies for their horses or, um, you know, just cause they're, they're fun and cool to have around um, these donkeys and mules. 
And certainly there are plenty of, of, you know, veterinarians out there that treat a lot of donkeys or treat a lot of mules. And they probably um, know a lot of the stuff that, that Amy McLean uh, mentioned, but for someone like me that really encountered one once a month, once every other <laughs> month, if that, um, you know, sometimes it, it was daunting to think like, okay, I know that these beasts are different than horses, but exactly how and how does that, you know, um, play a role in what I'm going to do with them? I thought she did a great job of talking about their behavior and, you know, how you can set yourself up for success and working with these, these animals just from, you know, moment one, um, as you are literally just starting to interact with them and greeting them, if you will, um, to really help make the rest of your interactions with them smoother. And, you know, these, especially mini donkeys, right. Or mini mules, like they're small, but man, they are mighty and they are strong. And, you know, to have them willingly participate in what you are, are trying to do makes all the difference, um, as far as, you know, safety and, um, animal welfare and your time. Right. I mean, it's just all going to go smoother if we, if we approach them the right way. Um, so I think that was just one take home tip from there, but there were lots that she shared. Yeah, and, and and it came back to roost for me just a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> I was uh, down working with one of my senior neighbors. He's, he's had donkeys and mules all his life, and he's 86. And he's probably forgotten more than I will ever learn. But I was down, you know, helping him get some of the – he's got many mules that he drives, and he's got riding mules, and he's got horses, and he's got some rescued burros, you know, some donkeys that, you know, he, he – they're – came from the BLM and, you know, he's been working with them. And so while he was doing one, I was going out to catch one of the mini mules, right? Totally forgot. I went out and acted like this was a horse, went out to catch him. And, you know, he was like, nope, you you forgot who See I you later. am. And, <laughs> and so it was, it was totally my fault. And he just looked at me and he said, just give it a minute. And so they went back and pretty soon he comes up, I get a pocket full of treats and I go out there, I drop the halter on the ground and I just start, I ask him if it's okay if I touch him and he came up and said, yeah, I guess. So may I feed you a treat? Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, and so then I start just gradually working myself around with his permission of, you know, doing all the things I needed to do. And pretty soon Les looks over and goes, you think you can get a halter on him now? And I went, yeah. <laughs> I said, I just, I forgot. I went yeah, out yeah. and you get busy and I know that happens. So, you know, it's just, it, I've really enjoyed what Dr. McLean had, had helped us with. And last but not least on your list of episodes was on equine sarcoids, episode 96 with Professor Emeritus Derek Nottenbelt. Yeah. So this is, you know, top of mind. This was our most recent one right before we recorded this, this interview here. Um, but I think just a wealth of knowledge, um, you know, Dr. Nottenbell is, is really the premier expert on equine sarcoids probably in the world. I think that's probably safe to say, and, you know, has treated far more sarcoids than, uh, certainly your average practitioner and, uh, just has so much knowledge and experience working with um, a really tough disease uh, that I think all of us have questions about, you know, in the the online forums um, of veterinarians that are talking to other veterinarians looking for help on cases or, um, you know, throwing ideas around 
equine sarcoids are a very common topic that will come up. Um, you know, we all as practitioners um, have had bad experiences, probably safe <laughs> to say, with sarcoids. And as uh, in this episode, Dr. Nottenbelt, I think really normalizes that and, you know, reminds us that no two sarcoids are alike and mm -hmm. there is no treatment that there's no one size fits all. There's no treatment that will 100% take care of it all. And he, you know, does a great job of, of reminding us that, you know, there are so many different treatment options. And why is that? It's because not one of them will do it all. Um, yeah. And so he talks about, you know, case, um, um, case selection and how you can set yourself up for success based on, you know, the location of the sarcoid. Is it near the eye or is it on the leg? Um, is it, you know, those kinds of things that can just be really, really helpful when you're looking at these cases um, and wondering, should I biopsy? Should I not? Should I mess with it? Should I not? And he he addresses all of that in a, in a fun and entertaining way. Um, so I, I think you, you would really enjoy, uh, you get great information and it's also an entertaining podcast, I thought. Um, so I highly recommend checking that one out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way. That was I I learned a lot from that one. And I am not a veterinarian, but I've probably gone to as much or more CE than most veterinarians just from covering it for different things in my career. And he really and he made you feel like you weren't out there alone yeah. with this problem. Yeah. And it's such a common problem that veterinarians see. Yep. But anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Schneider, on this episode of Disease Du Jour and for all your help and Merck's help and making sure we're getting some pertinent topics, some great presenters that that come on and help us. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Disease Du Jour. And these are just a few of the great podcasts we've had in the last three years. So make sure to go back and check and see if there's something you might have missed that you really want to know more about. And you can find Disease Du Jour on your favorite podcast platform. It's Disease, the letter capital D is in David, little U, and Jour, J-O-U-R. And it means disease of the day, um, which a lot of veterinarians understand every day is like that. What am I going to be faced with today? And if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.